Oh, okay. Mr. Tim Goldish, how are you, sir? I am pretty good. No, you're great, because you know why? You're on a PFM podcast. <laughs> ah, okay. I'm doing great. Thank you, sir. For our audience today, we have author Tim Goldich. He's based in Chicago, and he's the author of Loving Men, Respecting Women, as well as some extremely astute articles on gender interaction and gender equality. So, Mr. Goldich, Tim, as I may call you, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, R.K. I'm, uh, I'm ultra pleased to be on this show and this opportunity, and uh, very grateful. Thank you. And then for our audience, you and I are friends. We've met in the past and had some phenomenal discussions, so I'm just, I'm just gonzo that you're here today. So I'm a happy camper. So I'm like a kid in a candy store, so I'm really pleased to have you, Tim. Thank you for being here with uh, us. Awesome. Hey, listen, so that our, we can bring our, our listeners up to speed, what I would like to get a feel for is, is your background, you say your education, you know, where'd you grow up, your family. I mean, who is Tim Goldish, kind of in a nutshell? Okay, well, let's see. So I was raised in Lake Forest. That's a north suburb of Chicago, uh, a wealthy suburb. And uh, I went to school in Michigan, Albion uh, College, and then I uh, went on to uh, get a master's degree in technical writing from Northeastern Illinois. And then in uh, January of 2000, I went through something called the NWTA, the New Warrior Training Adventure Weekend, and became a warrior. And I'm now on the Chicago board of uh, MKP. The umbrella organization is called uh, the Mankind Project. Excellent. And then my understanding is you, you, were, you were trained to be a fighter pilot for the Battlestar Galactica, correct? <laughs> I didn't saying. want to mention that. Uh, you know, you're one of the secret pilots. I, I get it. All right. What, one of the, 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 the areas that I've, I've been fascinated with your work is that you're, you're, you're president of, of the Chicago chapter of, of NCFM. How did that come about yeah. and how long have you been there? Uh, I have no idea. When did that start? That was a long time ago. I'm thinking 15 years now? Eight. Have you been? I'm, I'm thinking um, more than 10 years. And then for our listeners, NCFM is the National Coalition for Men. That's a phenomenal organization based in San Diego, and they do some phenomenal things with respect to... Uh, they do, and blessed with uh, exceptional leadership. I, I completely agree. I'm there. That's Harry Crouch, the president, and, and I've always been impressed with what you're doing in Chicago. Briefly, the, the Mankind Project, what are you, what are you doing there? All right, so that is, you can sort of say that the men's movement in general, you could kind of say it's split into two factions or aspects. Uh, the Mankind Project is what I'll call mythopoetic men's movement. Okay. And so its, it's uh, focus is on personal growth. It's all about men getting together in small circles of men, uh, that meet, say, every week and do so for years and years and become a brotherhood 
and support each other emotionally and support each other in whatever it is we're trying to do in the world, whatever our ambition might be, uh, both in the world and just internally, whatever the ambition is, you know, I just, the ambition might be to be, uh, you know, less, uh, less uh, triggered by things. Uh, the ambition might be to um, be more focused and directed. Whatever it is, uh, the brothers in this, in the I group, will help you. Where I stand for integration, it's uh, integrating the lessons of the weekend into your life. Does that include? And, um, uh, out, of other, uh, out, of out of curiosity, does that include occupational support? Oh yes. Excellent. Yes. Mm-hmm. So then the other sort of half, if, if you will, of the men's movement is what I'll call the politicized men's movement, and that's like NCFM and and AVFM and so on. This, this, is, uh, this is helping men politically. So MKP helps men emotionally, and uh, the politicized men's movement helps men uh, politically. It's, it's unfortunate. It has been a source of some considerable frustration that these two aspects of the men's movement do not see eye to eye and do not support each other. Uh, it's kind of a shame because uh, I think I think we could do a lot more if those two uh, aspects of men's movement merged and were more cooperative. So in essence, you're talking about the left hand working with the right hand, correct? Yes, yes. Understood, understood. And then a, a brilliant concept on your part. Just it's a background again, there is, or at least for, the, for our listeners, where I started focusing in on what you were doing is, is I, I spotted an article that you wrote um, back in uh, 2012. And I, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. And the title of the article was The Rules, okay, The Rules of Gender Reality. And I'd like to touch on that for a moment. And it's, it's short, sweet, to the point. And so I guess, you know, where'd you come up with that? How did it come about? And let's talk about that for a few minutes here, if we may. Well, that was a synthesis of theoretical framework that I've been working on for a very long time. I first started writing on men's issues in the early 90s, and that was an effort to be as concise as possible as to what is going on, this love-respect dynamic, uh, this, uh, this very deep tendency to want to apply accountability without compassion toward men, which is ruthless. It respects men as autonomous, empowered adults, but does not love men as vulnerable beings worthy of empathy. And meanwhile, toward women, the very strong tendency is the opposite. It is compassion without accountability, which is infantilizing, which I think is just as bad. And it is uh, loving women as, uh, you know, lovely people worthy of, of uh, compassion, but it is, does not respect women as autonomous beings that are largely responsible for creating their own predicaments and miseries, you know. So, so I see that, that love-respect divide as being something that was incredibly enforced historically and continues to be uh, very prominent to this day. 
All right, let me interject here just so that our listeners know where we're going with this. The article um, appeared on, it, it can be found on the NCFM website. That's uh, www.ncfm.org. And the title of the article is called The Rules, in quotation marks, of Gender Equality, dated June 25, 2012. And for our, our listeners, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, read the, the, the seven rules that you have. And okay. rule one is toward men and masculinity, we direct accountability without compassion, which is ruthless. Okay, it is respecting men as autonomous and empowered being responsible for their own decisions and predicaments, but it is not loving men enough to recognize their true vulnerability to forces outside their control and to lead men to their fair share of empathy. Rule two, toward women and femininity, we direct compassion without accountability, which is infantilizing them. It is loving women as a vulnerable beings to be protected but not respecting women enough to recognize their true power, autonomy, accountability as equal partners, equal responsibility for outcomes. Rule three, men have the power and women are the victims. For humans with penises, victim is an illegitimate concept. For humans with vaginas, power is an illegitimate concept. Rule four, men are bad, women are good, and therefore ellipse. Rule five, all fault is male. Rule six, females are not subject to critique. A critique of the feminine is misogyny and is forbidden. And the final rule, rule seven, in the sexes relationship to each other, men reject victim, embrace shame. Women rejected shame, embrace victim. And so those are the rules. And, and, and I guess my thought is, is, one, I was just fascinated reading that. I thought it was brilliant on your part. Congratulations, well done. I wish I could think that deep. Um, the the, the other portion is is where this come from and and, and how did it come about? I mean, I'm, I'm, I was fascinated with it. Okay, so uh, if you look at that set of rules carefully, it kind of leads to a conclusion. Uh, if men are more respected but less loved and women are more loved but less respected, we we might come to the conclusion that it all balances out. So where did that come from? Okay, so let me take you back to the mid-1990s, and I'm in a class called Intercultural Communication. And... Uh, so we're assigned to speak on a culture, right? It could be any kind of culture. It could be stamp collecting, it could be chess club, it could be mm, baseball, it could be anything. So of course I choose the culture of maledom, being male. And I get up there and, uh, well, I'm, I'm scared to death of the prospect, right? You know, this is, a this is, uh, academia in, uh, in the nineties and, Males having a point of view doesn't seem to have any credibility at all, right? How am I going to present male perspectives and not have people throw things at me? So I just came up with this idea that perhaps if I just presented men's issues as that which goes on the other end of a balance beam, so that I'm not denying women's issues, 
I'm just trying to add new information and concluding that it's balanced. Uh, it's not going to go over great, you know, I'm not going to get a standing ovation or anything, but nobody's going to throw anything at me, right? So that's kind of the strategy and I, uh, I came up with out of necessity, out of fear. And then over time, I came to see that it all balances out with the solution. That was it. That was, that's, that was everything. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that, but, but I became increasingly convinced that that was the key. And so, uh, so I, I, I'm aware that I'm jumping the gun. Uh, no, you're fine. I, you're fine. Well, I know that it all balances out triggers people. It triggers people big time. And a lot of people who would hear it all balances out would not hear anything that follows. They will just be screaming in their heads, no, it does not all balance out. That is false. I'm not going to hear anything else that follows it. And so that's been a big uh, issue for me in, in trying to present these ideas. Um, you see, it all balances out. Just four words sounds simple, but it is not. Well, I guess when you say it all balances out, are you speaking from the micro or the macro? Well, it's complicated. I could spend a lot of time trying to <laughs> convey what I mean, what I mean by this concept, this concept, it all balances out. So I would say that it is many things. The one thing it is not it is not some kind of statement of objective fact. There is no giant balance beam in the sky that we can look at and say, oh, there it is. It's objectively clear. It all balances out. No. Understood. Understood. But it all balances out is many other things. It is, I think, uh, a, a rational outlook that is supported by several lines of reasoning. It is a decision one might make, having gone back and forth and back and forth. Uh, men have the power, no women have the power, no men are the victims, no women are the victims, back and forth and back and forth. One might eventually reach the decision, well, I am done with that, that contest. That serves no purpose, it has no resolution, there is no chance of a positive outcome there. I'm just going to make the decision that to call it even and and move on. Another way of looking at it all bounces out is a leap of faith. And that is, uh, from that point of view, that comes from, uh, I only really know all the arrows, all the slings and arrows that affect me as a male, all the messages that are, that are anti-male, all the, the policies, all the, the talk at work, you know, all the arrows, the, the movies and the, commercials that, that, uh, of which I am the target, but I can't really know for sure all those other arrows out there flying around for which women may be the targets. How can I be sure that I catch all those? See? So a leap of faith is, it's, it's well, I can't really know for sure. I can't really make the comparison and therefore, I will simply make a leap of faith that my pain is uh, doubtless equal to hers, and hers is uh, equal to mine. Uh, Understood. And I could go on and on. So, 
Another one, kind of taking things in a slightly different direction here for a moment. There was another yeah. article that I, that I spotted that I read that I, I, I really enjoyed uh, that uh, appeared on uh, the website for uh, NCFM back in uh, June, uh, June 1 of 2017. And that's Superman versus Superwoman. Why is one more popular than the other? How did yeah. that come about? Can you give me a, some background on that and, and where'd you go with that? And how did it come about? Well, there's this sort of cultural assumption, it would seem, that uh, Superman and Superwoman are symmetrical, that they, uh, that, you know, we've had lots and lots of Superman, now why not have Superwoman? As if uh, these two concepts were... Uh, the same, uh, that they mirrored each other, but in fact, they sort of do not. And my background in this love-respect dynamic and, and how things work in gender and the sexualities of the, of the sexes, uh, I just noticed that there were all these asymmetries going on. Well, here, let me, yeah. let me interject for a moment. You, you have, yeah. What I noted is that you, you indicated that powerful men have sex with people. Okay? The perception yeah. of men as powerful, autonomous, privileged, and entitled okay, is magnified for the sake of audience gratification in general, all right? and, and for the fulfillment of female sexual arousal. And then, right. and, and then you, you went on to comment that you know, to achieve maximum female arousal, the media must present women as you know, with a, with a handsome men who are heroic, strong, aggressive, confident, successful, you know, wealthy, and powerful. And so, right. you know, where did you go with that? And, and where does the, the the I'll give you credit for this the, the 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 term that you coined equalism? How does that all play into this? Um. Well, yeah. You see, from. Uh, a feminist standpoint, in a Batman movie, Michael Keaton gets to be Batman, while Kim Basinger just, all she does is just stand there. From a politicized male perspective, however, the male must perform, achieve, and succeed at extraordinary superhuman levels, uh, while a woman need only stand there. Uh, it, it's asymmetrical. And... Uh, we're not supposed to know that the, the, the pressure from from the feminist belief system and the, and the whole politically correct culture is that men and women are identical and interchangeable, and so there can be no difference. But there there are differences. The, the way the sex and sexualities work is different. Um, Oh boy! You comment. You comment. Well, if I interject here, you commented that yeah. the media caters to male sexuality by giving them beautiful women to look at. So the media yeah. has created is catered to the female sexuality by giving them supermen to look at. Yeah. And for women, nothing right. else. So nothing less. Nothing less will do. Right. Right. For Lois Lane, nothing else will. Nothing less will do. So much of the point that I'm trying to make there is that there's a female force of influence in the system. This is not just a patriarchal thing that on the one hand, see, I, I believe that everything in gender basically is mirrored. So the mirror opposite of patriarchy is 
what I will call matricensis. That's a term that uh, a friend, uh, David Shackleton, came up with. Uh, it's basically the sisterhood. And, and the sisterhood applies an equal overall force of influence in the human system and is equally responsible for outcomes. And so we have all these superhero movies because it's, uh, it fits with the, the, the sexualities of both sexes. And if, if women will be held accountable for their force of influence in the world, then they must be held accountable for, you know, their, their sexual um, choices. This is not, I'm not blaming women. I'm just saying that uh, women are, are half the force of influence and uh, have, have half the accountability in, in how things turn out. Well said. I'm, I'm right there with you, guy. <laughs> You're singing to the choir right now. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. So that was part of the point of the whole Superman, Superwoman, and, and other things, too. I mean, just just everything was asymmetrical. You know, in a superhero movie, the men go out, the superhero man goes out, and he he's battling other men. And men are the, always sort of the, the source of evil, and he's protecting women. Right, you know, he's uh, he's a hero to the woman, and he's very vulnerable to her. He falls in love with her. He he'll give up everything for her, and she means the whole world to him. Uh, you know, he's sort of in, in a very real sense. The whole point of having superpowers, if you're male, is then you get to fly Lois Lane around the city, and she she falls in love with you. You see, it's it's, it's all sort of geared toward. Uh, uh, being what the woman w- wants most, desires most, and but these things do not—they're not symmetrical in the least. You see, if you're a superhero female, what interest does she take in Clark Kent, the ordinary man? You know, if Lois Lane will turn her nose up at Clark, what? Why would Superwoman go fall head over heels for Mister Mild Manner? You see, it doesn't work. It's not symmetrical. Um, would you know? Will Will Superwoman go out there and and uh, and beat up and defeat uh, women in order to protect uh, innocent men? I don't think so. It doesn't. I don't think that resonates in the human sexual psyche, right? I mean, it just doesn't fit. In fact, what you have is something like Wonder Woman, where she's implicitly lesbian. She goes off to her uh, paradise island, which uh, apparently is paradise uh, simply because uh, no men are allowed on it. Uh, you know, this does not make me feel welcome. Wonder Woman is not vulnerable to me. Wonder Woman doesn't fall in love with me. Uh, the, the female uh, audience member can look up at Superman and see that he's willing to give up his powers, give up everything to save the woman he loves. Uh, she can dream that uh, she could bring uh, Superman to his knees, but super, but Superwoman, what have I got? I got nothing, you know. It's not symmetrical. No, I love the analogy. I'm there with you, folks. We're going to take a moment for this brief PSA, and we'll be right back. Have you heard of VAWA, the Violence Against Women Act? VAWA spends billions of taxpayer dollars, that's billions with a B. Rather than protect us from domestic violence, VAWA often destroys families, denies children their parents, grandparents, uncles, and aunts. VAWA contributes to family violence, teen violence, and child abuse. VAWA makes children parentless. 
Has a loved one been falsely accused of domestic violence, stalking, simply raising their voice, or child abuse? Because of that false accusation, were they put in jail, restrained from seeing their children, fired from their job, forced into bankruptcy, have their property taken, or commit suicide? Tell your legislators how the Violence Against Women Act hurt you, your loved ones, friends, and associates. Tell them to fix VAWA now. Tell them to fix the Violence Against Women Act. Brought to you by the National Coalition for Men, www.ncfm.org. We fight to protect all of our civil liberties, regardless of gender. Welcome back to the Protection for Men podcast. Shifting gears, shifting gears if I may. All right, so the, the... your book, I absolutely love it. I'm just about done reading it. It's phenomenal. Again, you, you get my kudos for being brilliant. And for our audience, the title of the book is Loving Men, Respecting Women. And the subtitle, I'll call it that, is The Future of Gender Politics. And again, by our, our, our guest today, Tim Goldich. Uh, question for you. I mean, I'm an author. You're an author. The first question I have when I, when I read someone's book is, is, how did your book come into being? What possessed you to write it? Ah, well, okay, so back in the 80s and 90s, I was quite socially dependent upon this group of women. There's these five women, and that I was sort of uh, given some kind of honorary membership into their their cliques, see, and uh, while many of my male friends had gotten married and had kids and they were gone. All I had were these five women that I loved and um, spent a lot of time with and shared birthdays and holidays with. And uh, most of them, they were, you know, they were feminists. And uh, several of them had taken women's studies classes in, in college and university. And, um, well, I just started feeling beat up by their feminist rhetoric, right? I mean, you know, I, 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 I go into one specific in the, the book, a uh, uh, shoe store, where uh, my feminist friend came over and gave me uh, her lecture. Now, you see, look, here's your shoes, and here are my shoes, and look, my shoes cost more, they are uncomfortable, they have these high heels, that, you know, lifts up my behind for men to look at. And uh, this is the lot in life of women. We're charged more for no reason other than we're women. And this is how it is. And you, then, of course, the message to me is that I should feel very ashamed and very guilty and very much at fault. And I really should drop everything I'm doing and join the feminist movement, right? and champion because look at these injustices that only women suffer. And at the time, I had no comeback for this sort of thing, you know? I'm sure many men out there can relate to that. It's like, what do I say? I don't know what the other side of gender politics is. I have no idea. I have no counter-arguments. I mean, now I would shred that, that argument. Some woman tried that with me now, uh, she wouldn't stand a chance, you know, and I, uh, but, but at the time I had no comeback. So after uh, years of this sort of thing, I decided, well, uh, there's gotta be an, uh, another side of the coin. There's gotta be, you know, the, what's the male perspective and how do I learn it? So I go out there looking and all I find 
our books by the likes of Rush Limbaugh and Morton Downey Jr., which just seemed, they just made me angrier still because it was like they seemed to be implying that a male perspective was uh, totally illegitimate, that it was uh, just an embarrassment. So uh, great, fine books existed. Uh, Roy Shank, a uh, book called uh, The Other Side of the Coin. Uh, Warren Farrell had um, Why Men Are the Way They Are, and there were all those Herb Goldberg books and so on and so on, right? But in their obscurity, I didn't find them. So I decided, well, if nobody's going to write this book, then I will. <laughs> well, that's, so that that's was, my next question. Is, is how did you go about writing your book? I mean, again, as, as, a, as a published author, I, I know how I went about writing my book, all right? Uh, but with regard to you, how did you do this? I mean, what, what process did you use? I don't know what process I had to learn by doing. I'd always been a good writer. I was trained as a technical writer. Uh, but I really had to learn the craft of, of authoring like a book. I'd only, just, I'd only just written on material science. I hadn't written anything like this at all. And I started out uh, with uh, this idea of social evolution uh, that... Uh, um, we might, as humans, take control of our own social evolution. Well, I did a 180 on that. I decided now with, with some, some age and maturity and hopefully some wisdom that, no, uh, that's wrong. I think uh, humans are not wise enough to meddle in such things. You know, I, who would be in charge of our social evolution, right? You know, that's, that's a real formula for disaster. But anyway, uh, I had been working on this book and coming up with some concepts. I came up with this idea that women were sort of like the victims of a trust fund, that uh, a woman born beautiful was much like a man born with a million-dollar trust fund. Like very little else was ever expected of either one of them, see? And I came up with some other ideas and notions, and I'd been writing for a couple of years when I discovered the myth of male power. I don't know, I just happened upon it. And there it was, and I devoured it. And so then uh, the conundrum, right? Because, uh, well, on the one hand, I, w I was given proof that I was on the right track, that, that there really was this, uh, this mirror opposite, this, this other half of gender reality. And it was ultra well documented and, and logically airtight, and there it is. So my book had been written, and the next two after that, as far as I was concerned, that Warren's book was so so awesome. But fortunately, I was invested enough after a couple, three years, I guess, of working on it that I continued. And then, yeah, that thing that I described before happened, that I went into that classroom, and I, I came up with this, it all balances out. And that, that just led to this whole... whole uh, new realm, this equalism realm and uh, solutions and um, on and on. So Your book is exceptionally so, well documented. That was one of the first things that I noted. But why the title? Why the title, Loving Men, Respecting Women? Well, because I believe that historically uh, humans have directed their love upon women and their respect upon men and things had shifted women now had so much male power that the old system had become dysfunctional and 
what was needed, the corrective that was needed, was uh, to direct more love toward men, more empathy toward men. I mean, there's just, just, just an absolute drought of compassion toward men. I mean, men are just so absolutely villainized you know, as the source of all evil and all. So we, we desperately need to direct more love, more empathy, more caring, more concern, more compassion toward men. And meanwhile, with women, uh, there's this idea that we respect women, but I would say that what we're looking at is what I would call adoration toward women. It's not really respect. We still think of women as having little efficacy uh, in the world, as having little uh, power, and this is, is, is false, and uh, woman has, is, is uh, enormously powerful, and she has every bit as much the human shadow as man, and we desperately need to come to grips with how powerful women are and with uh, the shadow side of the feminine, because uh, it's just allowed to run wild in this world. Uh, our denial of its existence allows it to just uh, um, run, run amok. One thing that I noted was that the, the preface to your book is written by Dr. Warren Farrow. I, I saw that and I'm like, oh my God, this guy's a lucky, <laughs> was a lucky guy. And I'm like, I'm like a kid in a candy store, okay. And so t- to me, Im- immediately as I'm thinking, that is an exceptional honor. And so how did that come about? Warren Farrell writing the, you know, Dr. Warren Farrell writing the preface to your book, you know, Loving Men, Respecting Women. How did that happen? Uh, well, I guess that happened because I was uh, so persistent. I, I met uh, Warren at a, he was, a, well, let's see, first of all, first of all, I read his book and I just uh, sent him some letters. You know, I, we, we just sort of conversed uh, snail mail back in those days. And um, I went out to participate in his workshops at Esalen to get to know him a little better. And, and he was a keynote speaker at uh, Oakton College Men's Day nearby. And I just kind of, um, you know, gave him material that I'd written and I was thinking about. We talked uh, at length and, you know, Warren and I were just sort of on the same wavelength. And I think, um, I think Warren just uh, looked at this stuff and was, you know, thinking this is, this is good stuff. And, and I, I asked him early on, would you be willing to write a preface, you know, and Warren's a nice guy. And he, he said, uh, Sure, but it took about ten years of pastoring him uh, before he finally, you know, did that. And I, I also had an assistant in that, uh, a mutual friend named David Shackleton, who was the editor of my book. Um, also, uh, uh, kept pastoring uh, Warren to to do that. So finally, he did. No, I think a brilliant move on your part. I mean, to me, it's, we all have to come together with respect to the, you know, the, the, the brilliant components of all that we do. And I think that was just exceptional. And again, to my way of thinking, I saw that. I was like, oh, my God, what a lucky dog. I mean, look at this. Hey, qu- question for you, just so that our listeners can, 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 can know where to go. Your book, where is it available? Amazon, Kindle, bookstores? I mean, what's, what's the scoop on that, if I may? Well, it's primarily Amazon. I mean... 
that's that was what I aimed at, right? Amazon. Amazon and is Kindle, Kindle is it on Kindle also? If they want to download that. Yes. Okay. Uh -huh. So you can just go to Amazon and you know just type in Tim Golich. And then the spelling in your last the spelling on your last name is G O L D I C H, correct? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. And again, just loving men, respecting women. And then, do you have a website? Do you have a Facebook page? What do you what, what are you what are you doing there? If I may ask. Oh yeah, so I've got a bunch of websites. Uh, GenderEqualist.com. There's uh, LovingMenRespectingWomen.com. Um, and you're on you're on Facebook also under Tim A. Goldich, correct? Yes, that's correct. And then I know that you're a member of all the the Facebook groups that Protection for Men does. So I'm glad to have you there, and I'm, I consider it an honor. You know, so I'm I'm a happy capper definitely. And so let's let's dive into your book. The the you know what what I what, again from reading it, you know, from from reading reviews and summaries, and from what I've been gleaning from it. You know that it seems that the the over the overarching principle that you're laying out is is, is the word balance, correct? Yeah. Yes. And so, in a nutshell, what does that mean to you? What are you trying to convey? All right. So, uh, as you know from the speech I gave uh, in San Diego recently, I consider this this gender paradigm, this idea, this assumption, this uh, this taught in school paradigm was it the that, gender belief system, I believe you call it, correct? Yeah, the gender belief system. Men have the power, women are the victims. Uh, moreover, if women are the victims, if that's what's true, then we're forced to believe that men, the ones with the power, must be the victimizers. So from uh, men have the power, women are the victims, we get man bad, woman good. Man overempowered, oppressor, victimizer, uh, woman good, innocent victim. That's, that's the, what I will call the official gender belief system, the sort of the Time Magazine version of gender reality. And in my judgment, it is absolutely poisonous it is one-sided and therefore false and toxic, and I believe it is the source, the source of all our gender political woes. So what is your goal here? A paradigm shift? Is that is that the objective here? That's right, yeah. So I'm my, proud of that. I, that's, why, that's why I love you. I was like, oh, my God, go, 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 go. I know, I, uh, yeah, right. Um, my modest ambition is to... Uh, uh, shift a uh, gender belief system that goes back to the Stone Age. Uh, it's, it, 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 it's always been based on things like uh, instinct and chivalry and uh, physiognomy, that is the mere physical appearance, the differing physical appearance of men and women and the differing vocal characteristics. And it's based a lot on arrows, this idea that men have the power, women are the victims. It's a it's, it's in its own way, it's an erotic story. It's an erotic story, you know? It's a, a hunky uh, hero, alpha males coming to the rescue of, uh, you know, fair, sweet, uh, vulnerable uh, damsels in distress, right? It's, 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 uh, 
it's every romance novel ever written, you know, it's, it's an erotic story. It was, so all these things are so compelling, which is why uh, male power female victimization is just a given in, in the myths and the mythos that go all the way back to uh, the mighty Odysseus and the fair Helen of Troy, you know, it just goes back to the, to the Pleistocene. And, um, and so, you know, um, 500 years ago, humans broke through uh, uh, another uh, beloved uh, paradigm that the earth was at the center of the universe, a very comforting, a very uh, appealing story that uh, seemed to be verified by our own eyes, just looking up and seeing the, the sun and stars circling above, right? I mean, it just was clear. And, and uh, but 500 years ago, it came crumbling down. Uh, why do we, you know, is the male power female victimization paradigm is equally vulnerable to uh, an ocean of alternate facts and truths? Uh, why does this, why is the male power female victimization paradigm still hold us in thrall? I would say that it's, it's, it's because uh, emotional, sentimental uh, investment in that paradigm simply runs that much deeper. One so thing I know is you, call, you call it the impulse. The impulse is to punish men because they're bad and reward women because they're good. And it, it creates a, a, a world where men are in decline. Well, that's right. You know, what are you going to do if you believe that men have the power? You're going to want to take power away from men if men are are the oppressor victimizers, you don't want to punish them. Uh, if you believe that women are the victims uh, and the innocent victims, the, the good sex, you're going to want to reward and extra protect and advantage a uh, woman good or the innocent victim, right? I mean, that's just, it's just, uh, that's, that's justice, right? I mean, the way we're looking at it, it's not right. It's absolutely not right that one faction of humanity should be granted all the power while the other faction of humanity is singled out as the victims. That's absolutely wrong, and we would see that wrong corrected by countermeasures, and that's exactly what is happening in the world. Well, there was a brilliant uh, comment that I, I, I spotted that I really enjoyed. You indicated that for every one CEO of a major corporation, there are many POWs, okay, hard, right. hazardous labor, battlefield, prisons, mines, streets, the sewers. Men have always occupied both extremes. I'm like... Yeah. Oh my gosh, he's he's hitting the nail right on the head. I mean, and so they're, they're getting maybe just one or so. I mean, the again, they're seeing both sides of the spectrum, but no one wants to comment on the on the the downside of uh, the hierarchy. If I, I can use those that phrase. Well, that's right. It, it just goes against the grain. It doesn't feel good. You see, that's really what it comes down to. The, the other half of gender reality doesn't feel good. It just doesn't resonate with these with these instincts and sentimentalities and you know uh, we just don't like to think of men as being victims we we prefer to think of them as as powerful and strong and tough and you know the, and, and and there are practical reasons why we prefer to think of it that way we need a faction of humanity that uh, is profoundly ego invested and tough with strength and courage uh, because these are the these are the humans that are going to be up there tuck pointing the buildings 300 feet in the air 
and they're going to be moving the sewage and they're going to be ice road trucking and and uh, you know logging and all this hard hazardous you know mining kind of things that we so so humans have grown uh, dependent on 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 men being relatively invulnerable and uh, willing to do very dangerous things for nothing more than a family supporting wage. Uh, meanwhile, we've we've uh, we've needed women to be soft and gentle and nurturing uh, to give birth and uh, to uh, you know breastfeed and and nurture the the children. And so we've created a uh, a human system that is very dependent on these notions, and therefore all these facts that belie belie these these uh, illusions uh, are rejected. So, yeah, you know, uh, statistically, men suffer comparison with women in virtually every measure of well-being. There was a comment that you made that I, I thought was absolutely brilliant. And, 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 and maybe I don't have it exactly right, but you, you stated believing he has the power renders yeah. him powerless. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So if you're looking at a situation where the boss is having an affair with the secretary, uh, we will, of course, assume that he has the power, that it's a power differential, and that's why it's sexual harassment, and that's why he should be criminally uh, punishable. Um, but in reality, uh, we don't know until we dig into the specifics and the facts and the truths of this particular couple uh, who has the power. We, we don't know that at all from the outside. You know, she um, may have walked into this guy's life, this lonely middle-aged guy, you know, and become his whole reason for living, you know, and, and she, she might be way tougher than he is. And as soon as he has tipped his hand, as soon as he has uh, worn his heart on his sleeve in some way and acted out impulsively in some way. Now um, she has him uh, um, in, a, in a, an incredibly vulnerable position, you know, because she can just destroy him. Uh, he, you know, came on to me. He, he promised uh, that he would give me a, a promotion if I would sleep with him. You know, this, her accusations now can just lay waste to him. Uh, from his point of view, uh, she may hold all the power. She might be much more emotionally uh, tough than he is, and she might uh, be exploiting him uh, in, in every way imaginable to leap right up the whole corporate ladder. Uh, the point is we just don't know. Uh, from the outside, the, the assumption that he has the power is what uh, uh, renders him powerless. He can't defend himself then. Uh, you see, he, he, uh, he can't go on about her power uh, because we don't believe that she has any. Uh, we can't go on about his vulnerability because we don't think uh, men should have that level of vulnerability. And so believing that he has the power uh, in a court of law is what renders him powerless. He's, he doesn't stand a chance. Understood. And this kind of dovetails into a few areas that you, 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 
you've touched on both in, 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 your, in your writings as well as in, in our conversations, and, and that's the, the man tax you, you've referenced, and also Emma okay. Watson and, and, and he for she. Uh, I mean, again, if you could comment there, sir. Yeah, you know, um, again, it comes down to um, if we believe what we believe, then, you know, we are going to think that the system is very wrong. It's just it's absolutely not right that one faction of humanity should have the power and the other faction should be the victims. Uh, that's wrong, and we would see that wrong corrected by countermeasures, and he for she is a countermeasure. It's uh you know, it's he for she and she for she. It's everybody for she, and uh, that's a that's a countermeasure. That it's all about all of feminism. All of feminism. It's all about balancing that which is already balanced, and and it's it's about women coming to the bargaining table. Is it, well, I'll say feminists uh, uh, acting as women's uh, self-appointed uh, spokespersons uh, coming to the bargaining table saying. Uh, you know, you men have everything, we women have nothing, so give us what you got, and then things will be fair and equal. And in response, man in his naivete and his gender political uh, ignorance uh, and his blindness to the feminine shadow uh, can find no objection to that. So, so man pours from his glass half full into woman's glass half empty, you know, and he's been pouring from that glass for at least 50 odd years, and uh, as a result, uh, women look around them and they think there are no men. You know, it's like uh, we, it's like 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 men have poured from their glass to such an extent that we got nothing. Uh, we kind of got nothing, and and uh, and marriage has declined incredibly, and um, you know, the, the female initiated divorce and the women initiated at least 70 percent of the divorces out there probably more, and, you know, it, it, men just don't have what, what, what women are, you know, evolutionarily, psycho psychologically uh, uh, geared to uh, desire. <laughs> and, um, you know, men are, it's not, it's not just that men lack the, the status, it's also that men they, uh, lack ambition, they lack uh, confidence, they lack any sense of themselves, of, of the masculine as having a, a value, uh, it's, it's dreadful. Uh, men are, don't have the energy, they don't have the drive, and uh, so they're just really not uh, all that attractive and desirable to women, and, and, uh, and especially long-term. So, so marriage has declined accordingly, and uh, female-initiated divorce has risen accordingly, and, uh, you know, the, what is it? Are we, uh, I think we might be at the point where the majority of uh, children are, being, are born to single mothers now, a uh, vast majority in uh, poorer communities where men uh, cannot, uh, are so prejudiced against, they can't even get or secure a family-supporting wage. And uh, under the circumstances, they're just jettisoned. For our listeners, on Facebook... Protection for Men has 15 various groups that are male issue oriented. And so when you're scrolling around on Facebook, type in the initials PFM and you'll be able to locate most of our groups. Otherwise, check the top of the page for each group and you'll note that there are recommended groups to, to visit. 
And so we have PFM positive, one of my favorites, whereby we show the positive things that men, fathers, and boys do. There's PFM slash men and boys health, as well as PFM, boys' rights and issues. So the whole variety of groups whereby we focus on particular themes, particular ideas and aspects of male issues. So when you have a moment, scroll around, do the search, and take a peek. I think you'll enjoy it. In the meantime, be well. Thank you. Again, for our listeners, the uh, Tim's book, Tim Goldich, okay, is Loving Men, Respecting Women, The Future of Gender Politics. And that's available on Amazon and Kindle and also in, in many bookstores. I, I guess, Tim, what is your next project? Do you, have any, do you have anything in the work, in the works currently? Oh, yes. Yes, I was writing what I called the book for oh, God, 20 years or something. And it became, uh, well, each section of the book became book length. So, so I'm polishing and completing uh, sort of the second section of, of the original book. And uh, that will be a book uh, coming out, I think, in the spring with luck, if I can get it uh, done. Uh, and that will be called Love and Respect in the Past, the History of Gender Equality. Excellent. And I look forward to that. Excellent. And then sure. uh, a question for you, if, if our listeners want to, or when the, our listeners want to follow you or contact you, what's, what's the best way to do that? What works best for you? Oh, uh, well, I think an email, I think would be the, the best way to, and I would very much like to hear from anyone out there that's interested in, you know, um, discussing these issues uh, my email address is T A Goldich G O L D I C H at hotmail.com. Excellent, excellent, sir. Tim, I, I'm absolutely delighted to know you as a human being. I, I love your work. I, I love reading what you've what you've created. Okay, it's phenomenal. And from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for being here today. And uh, I look forward to, for you uh, to, your, to your future creations, and uh, I can't wait. I'm definitely enthusiastic. You're, you're an enlightening guy. You're a brilliant man, and I love the fact that you have a deep heart, and uh, you're pro-species the way I like the characters, and I really enjoy that. So thank you for your time, and thank you for being here today, sir. Oh, well, well thank you, R.K. That's, that's uh, uh, deeply meaningful to me to, to hear that. Uh, Thank you so much for the, uh, the affirmation about that. That's Excellent. Great. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your time. God bless. You too. Thanks again.